Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Do it live. Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Welcome to another Herd App production of Wired Access Podcast. I'm your host, DJ K-Dub Omaha. And to my left, I have assistant Central High School Eagles coach. But also, you might know him as National Championship Nebraska Cornhusker wide receiver, Abdul Muhammad. Welcome to the show, Abdul. I appreciate you coming in. My biggest thing that I like to do is really promote all the positive things going on in Omaha for athletes. Because people come from far away to get to Nebraska, or they in Nebraska, and they go far away. You came from California. You remember back in the day when uh, you were playing that game of football in high school. How did you find Nebraska back then compared to what the kids get to see nowadays? Well, I grew up a big-time Husker fan, and so at about... And what drove that, though, out of California? I tell you, you, at about eight years old, I started playing football, and uh, we used to have this network cable. It just came out. We used to have this network called Prime Ticket, uh, which is now Fox Sports, Uh, but it was Prime Ticket in California, and the Californians for Nebraskans were so big that they used to show the replays of Husker football on Sundays, okay. right? Yeah. And so I'm young, playing football. Then I started watching at about nine. Uh, you know, I just started watching college football, uh, watching Nebraska. And that was uh, the 82 season. Okay. Fryer, Perfect Turner time Gill, to start. Rozier. Then they come back that following year when I was 10 with the scoring explosion, <laughs> same three, uh, averaging 60 points a game, uh, I became a fan. It's simple, right? You you made it real simple. The Go get them. The touchdowns, the glamorous, the that's, that's what right. you're seeing. California, they're known for USC. That's they're correct. known for UCLA. How did Nebraska keep that instilled in your mind to not stay local in that big of a uh, of a state i mean it's not like you're coming from like a montana to nebraska you know what i'm saying yeah you you're absolutely correct i was just intrigued by everything i always seen on tv uh the way they ran out the tunnel uh the way coach osborne led the players on the field the way they played the game of football it was just always intriguing although i was a usc fan and i still do like the trojans uh but my all-time favorite sports team is Nebraska, like any sport, basketball, football, it's the Huskers. And when you think of that and you go back to when you were in high school, what was your recruiting process like back then? Nowadays, everybody just clips a link. Oh, there's my, there's my video. There's this. What was it like back in the 80s, late 80s, trying to get into college? And, and what was that process like for you? Uh, what's funny, I just come back from Eugene, Oregon, track nationals. Uh, my younger relative who played at Oregon State was out there, and we were talking with my track coach, Coach Lloyd, about how we got recruited. And neither one of us, we both from California, Southern California, him from Orange County, I'm from Compton, of course, and we never went to a camp, right? Yeah. Uh never got to display skills in front of college coaches like individual drills. It was all on the football field. And we talk about 
it's still like that in California. There's so many athletes that, you know, when you get seen playing against top athletes, you don't have to go to these camps and do this stuff in front of coaches because you're playing four and five stars week in and week out. Uh, whereas here, you know, you need to go to some camps, show you can do it against other players uh, with a high caliber rating. Uh, but for me, it was just playing football, right? My junior year, I didn't start starting until like the fifth game. I had a really good game against Crenshaw High School. Um, and coach just told me from then on, I was the guy. And so I started starting. It just so happened that Nebraska was the first school to reach out and offer me. It was my first offer. Now that's weird because you didn't. Very, it's it's not like the video yeah. was from Compton getting sent out to Nebraska. How did that even come to for you? So I tell you what I believe happened. We had guys before me that were being recruited, uh, and coach knew my coach Vol, rest in peace, knew that I was a big time Husker fan, and I believe he reached out. Like that's oh, my conclusion I gotcha. that. He reached out and let them know, like, I got this kid that you might be interested in. And uh, they probably seen some tape, watched me, uh, and reached out and offered me. Well, and when you think of all this happening as a young man in high school, you obviously have a lot of things going inside and out of school. You can easily get caught up. You can see things that many people around here never even thought of seeing. What keeps you so zoned in and locked in to a sport like football did you see it as a way to get up and out of the area? Was it just what what drove Abdul to be the football player that you were? Just growing up playing, always playing against some of the best athletes. Uh, I had nine guys off a little league team. Nine of us end up Division One of my eighth grade youth football team, uh, and so that kind of stuff, the competition and practice, you know, it reminded me of. When I got to Nebraska and when I got to Carson High, won uh, two championships at Carson High School. Uh, but all those teams had similar characteristics to where you're working hard, you're competing against each other, even though you're friends, you're going at it. Uh, and then you, you was always able to enjoy success and the outcome on game days because the work that was put in. Uh, but the football, my, my family grew up. I grew up in a family of sports. My mom is a big-time sports fan. She still goes to a sports bar in Orange County and watch Husker games from time to time. Like, we we a big-time sports family. And so, and people still say to this day that I should have kept playing baseball. Like, I was the guy in baseball. Uh, <laughs> it's funny that you say that yeah. because, like, so – I've done this show for, this is my second season, first season with Herd App. Last year, I interviewed Eric Strickland. And I, I just want to tell you, this is more of an honor to talk to you than you know, because, like, you were a player that I always watched. I was born in 82. People go, how are you a Niners fan? It's because of Roger Craig, Tom Rathman, Williams. You know what I mean? Like, right. that I was know. my only connection. I was over in Holland. I had no other connection to Huskers except for there. People be like, why aren't you Kansas City? They never picked up the players until Will Shields, Nielsen. You know what I'm saying? Like, you see those names. So I'm getting to talk to you, and you are one of my favorite along with Baron Miles. Why? Because the grit can't be matched. 
That's correct. The, the grit is something. There was you. There was Reggie Ball. Like, just seeing people that aren't getting the ball all the time could have went anywhere in the United States, but you stuck it out to have the end result that you ended up getting and to see what you have, have gotten from it. Now, when you think back to those high school days and you get this offer from Nebraska, did you get a talk to t- Coach Osborne at that time, or what was that kind of communication? Because I know today's date is so different. There's so many analysis. There's so many different people that will reach out compared to like a head coach or just the, the wide receiver coach. Yeah, uh, Coach Osborne and Coach Darlington were actually the two that recruited me. Uh, so the communication started. And the one thing uh, that I have to mention is I didn't know until I started coaching uh, high school football and started having kids that graduated from my youth program and go to high school that you had letters of information. You know, when when we used to get letters at my high school, we averaged for all my years of high school, we averaged eight to nine Division One players off our senior teams. And so when we would get letters, they would be offers. Like that letter, that first letter was an offer from Nebraska. Like I didn't know that they sent letters of we interested in you. We have our eye on you. Now, did it go to you or the coach? Did it go to you or the coach? It went to the coach's office, and I remember him calling me. I still remember the day I was in pre algebra, and they came and got me and told me to go to the coach office. And I went, Great, what now? What did I do? That's right. I know I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was a letter from Nebraska, and I opened it, and it was an offer straight off the bat. So for you, when you get that offer, does that kind of close everything else up for you because of your love and your pride? Or because nowadays, I mean, you can get 27 offers in one day, let alone one from a team that you already grew up wanting and loving what you're seeing, the production. You know, what's, uh, what's interesting is that it was the same, but not like, you don't. of course, there wasn't no social media like it is now. But the same thing happened. Like after that, it was USC, UCLA, then the Big Ten schools, Illinois, Michigan State, Michigan, and so I just started getting all these offers from all these schools. But it it wasn't like how kids act now. It wasn't like like dang man, I, it, it it wasn't the you big deal. Tell me deal. you didn't have that hole in front of no. all your student class where you no, got five helmets sitting there and you no. can choose any and no. It wasn't like that for me because it that one from Nebraska was different, but everything else was just like okay, it's football, and we were we were always playing to win championships at Carson, so that was the big thing. Uh, what we were doing at that point, uh, it wasn't you know people knew they were going to go to college, get offers because we had some of the best players in California, but it wasn't big like these kids celebrating now and do this. It wasn't celebrated like that, you know, with us. See, and I feel sometimes as a fan, and I coached high school football for eight years here at Omaha South. Okay. Sometimes it's kind of hard to grip on to where it's almost feels like more show than go, where you're making it this big event to make this announcement. But that 
that's pulling a lot of feelings of fans, pulling a lot of feelings of everybody outside. I think when when you say, okay, here's my display of teams and I choose one, I respect you, right? Because I'm not thinking right. you're about to pull out a Husker bag and then pull out an Iowa shirt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like I know what you're saying. Those type of things, it's, it's not what you went through. Like you said, the football is so different. But in the meantime, you're going, is this what it's about? Is this what it's supposed to be about? Right. How do you keep that stuff grounded now that you can obviously talk to experience of having some of the top colleges in the country recruit you, but still be able to be level-headed to know that I got to make the decision for my future that doesn't involve... Yeah, I have some good people around me, too. Of, of course, I can say my entire family wanted me to stay home and go to USC well, yeah, they want to uh, come up the road and, and, yeah. and see. I mean, yeah, and then we had friends that went there and played. I had some teammates who went there uh, that played a little bit before me in high school. But USC wasn't my second choice. My second choice would have been Miami, uh, but it was a second by far. wasn't close. If it was close, I can tell you that recruiting trip, would have made in Miami. Uh, it was, I've seen why those teams were winning championships. And I kind of brought a little bit of that from what I've seen on that trip, how them players got along and how they acted with each other. I, I brought some of that to Nebraska. Well, and, and of course, we look at the Nebraska field and we look at you guys in the 90s and we look at everybody talks about how great but if it was in today's age, the greatness might not have ever happened, right? Do you do you feel that way, or do you feel like we would have stuck it out? And I only say it because obviously transfer portals a big talk, not just amongst colleges, but you got high school kids trying to play the field of where should I go, and and it takes away from my heart's I'm a Husker. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know what you're saying, but. Uh... The coach, you start there with Coach Osborne. Uh, nine wins every year. That says a lot. Consistency. You know I mean? Consistency. Yes. Yeah. And so it, it would have happened the same way. Uh, now, now, of course, the Huskers back then didn't put a lot of people in NFL, right? Compared a, a to lot of when you look at the teams before the winning teams. Yes. Yeah, but once we start winning. But if you look at that part of it, at, it during your recruiting process, was that ever a part of your mindset? No, no. I just wanted to play for Nebraska. That was seeing that. That was a lifelong goal. Like when I was, when I was ten. That was it. I told my mom, I came. She she bring this up from time to time. She was like, I still can't believe at ten you came and sat by me on the couch and told me you was going to play at Nebraska and did it. I did that at 10 years old. It's it's just those, everybody has them. Not everybody remembers them, right? Yeah. Everybody has, I know, I, like I couldn't even, I knew I liked trucks. I knew I liked games, but I couldn't tell you what I wanted to be or right. where I wanted to go in the yeah. future. So when you have a strong memory like that and you got to see yourself fulfill it at an early age, just that alone, what did that mean to you for that offer to get there and and become the wide it was, receiver. It was, it was unbelievable. And so when I got here, 
with my freshman class, Dwayne Harris, Troy Dumas, Christian Peters, uh, just Brooke Berenger, um, just a loaded class of just tough, Baron Miles, just tough, gritty, grimy kids that wanted to win championships. We we huddled up uh, after our first day in the Cook Pavilion of testing and said we was leaving with two. I'll never forget Dwayne Harris got up and put them two fingers up and said, we leaving here with two. And listen, this is a true story. When Dwayne, when I watch that national championship to this day, and Dwayne Harris gets a sack on Frank Costa, he got his right arm is holding Frank Costa's jersey. With his left hand, he do this. Put up the two. It remind me of that day. It remind me when he got him and say, we leaving here with two. He flicked his hands just like that when he got to safety. And I get chills when I see that. I mean, right now, my hair my hair is covered, <laughs> but I can tell you it's already yeah, yeah, man, it, it. It was just the same. And so, man, I, I, man, I, I truly love those guys. I came in with and played with uh, Troy Dumas. Hats off to him. Going into the Husker Hall of Fame this year. Uh, that's big, man. It is. And I think he's the first one in our class uh, to do so. And so that's huge and is well-deserving because put a lot of emotional and physical effort to his time. Well, and you think back to what you left at Crenshaw, what was the mark – or legacy that your team, but also yourself, you felt you left there prior to arriving to Carson. So, so actually, we, that's what we played, Crenshaw. We used to play Crenshaw. Oh, that's right. Sorry. I'm at Carson, like Carson. you said. I'm at yeah. Carson. Compton, my uh, fault. Yeah. So I go to Carson High, uh, which is about 15 minutes from Compton, where I stay. Uh, and I went there because it was just a power in football. Like they were sending eight to nine kids, Division One every year. And so I told my mom I need to be at Carson High. So that's kind of where it started. Okay. Yeah, because the area schools, there, there wasn't really no football powerhouses in my area. Um, it was all music and stuff like that. Uh, but the football powerhouses is around the, the Carson area, Carson High, Banning High, and so on. But the legacy that my class left there, I still have records there. Uh, Latoria Rashaw, play receiver, still have records there. Defensively, we got the interception team record. So we still have most of the records at Carson High. That was 32 years ago. It's weird how those life-standing events still can be good today, especially with how offense has developed. We yeah, all that know that, you, you know, passing has become king. Um, defense is sometimes lackluster. Just depends. But obviously, at where you're playing, it's a whole different ball game. You're always going up oh, against nice. the best, and you're doing the best. So you get to Nebraska. Obviously, the record books are the record books. Everybody knows what you guys have done there. What was the best thing that you remember from those days? amongst the team and the coaches? And what was one thing that you wish you would have took a little more advantage of in the whole process? Uh, one of the things that uh, that stays with me is just the grit and toughness of the team. You know, usually you get certain kids uh, that that's tough on the team and, and uh, a few here and there 
you know, maybe on scout team, but the complete toughness of the team um, is what I really remember, how tough practices were, you know, and how easier games were because of practice and how we used to get after it, man. You, you can't get right now to this day, you can't get three offensive players and three defensive players in the same space. And there's not an argument. We're going to argue about who dominated who there's going to be an argument guaranteed. Um, and that's just the competition that we still have in us. Uh, but one of the things I think I would have took uh, more seriously is definitely I wish I would have took the schooling and the academics because de I definitely could have been one of the academic All-Americans that uh, Nebraska just continues to lead the nation in. Well, and it, it's awesome that you brought up such a strong topic, student-athlete. Correct. You're now back into a high school, That's Central right. High. Obviously, I talked to you a little bit about the transfer portal. You talked about you going to a powerhouse school. The Eagles have been off for a little bit. They've been a part of the OPS trend of some of the high schools here. How do you get people to want to come there over the football powerhouses, especially when some of the open enrollment happens? How, what do you think will take to get you guys back to who the Central Eagles have been known for? Running back high school of the area. That is Championships. Correct. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. And I, I really believe this wholeheartedly is one of the best schools in the state when you look at everything in its totality. When you look at from top to bottom, the school, the alumni, the foundation, uh, the principal, the location. The I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, I like a most, Friday night down uh, there. It's, on it's the... probably the most beautiful. I sent the picture to my friends back home, and they couldn't believe that that stadium at night, it was a night picture that that stadium had the downtown backdrop. It was like, man, is that real or is it Photoshop? I mean, parking's I said, a whole real. different thing, but, the, but the stadium yeah. alone is It's good. beautiful. It's, you can't get no better. You can't get no better than that stadium uh, on a night game with the lights on, with the downtown backdrop. But as far as recruiting and kids coming to Central, I think it's going to be one of the easiest things to do. We got a great start right now. We got a heck of a freshman class. Uh, we'll have another one. So I think for you, I think one of the biggest things is your connection to youth sports. Prior to getting that position helps because you have these families, you have these kids that believe in you. Obviously, since leaving the Huskers, lots of ups, lots of downs. That's what everybody's life is all about. What was the biggest change that you think you had to get you where you are today when it comes to the youth sports and being a coach now at the high school level? Biggest changes? I don't know. You know what? I'm, I'm kind of used to I've been around football, like I said, since I was eight. I've been coaching. I was on the staff in 95, of course, as an undergraduate assistant for that back-to-back -back championship. And that's where the change happened. I, I honestly did not know the hours that coaches were putting in behind the scenes. I had no idea about it. You mean like the single mothers so and all that? I'll like tell people you this. don't understand. Like I tell you this, I was walking to class and I walked by the coach's office, which was on the South end at that time. 
Coach Osborne happened to be getting out the car. I'm going to class. He stopped me. We was talking, and he asked me if I wanted to coach, right, since I was still there, still working on my degree, and I told him I'd think about it. It didn't probably take me but about 10, 15 steps to think about all the returners and the chance that, you know, the university had to become back-to-back. And so on my way back from class, stopped back in the office and told him yes and talked some more, and then he told me he'll see me tomorrow at 6 a.m. Now, if you don't know, players don't know what 6 a.m. Don't, don't don't get yeah, me wrong. Back then. Yeah. They get up, but they don't know 6 a.m. So you hear that, and that's already. Yeah, well, now they kind of practice at their time. But back then, we practiced in the afternoon, 3 o'clock. Yeah. You know, and, but, but now they practice at that time. So for us, that was foreign language. You know, he said 6 a.m. I'm like 6 a.m. So I get there and all the coaches there, bright and early, and they're meeting. And you're talking about intense meetings of the minds. It was unbelievable. I left there with a with a whole new passion for coaches. Like, man, I did not know. Did you have a passion though to coach prior to him just asking you? You know what? No. Because it's not in everybody. No matter no. what anybody says, it coaching's the accountability is hard to hold up when you when you I mean, some try to be more of a friend than a, a coach. Yeah. And they don't realize that the relationship of a friend and all that comes after the coach. That's correct. And and when you get that now from Osborne, he's like, Hey, I want you to come join us. It's gotta open the eyes one to go. Is this a possibility? Is this something yeah. that I really want to do? Right. You know, I mean, because what were you going to school at the time? And for? so I was, I wasn't thing. I was working with kids. Okay. In resources, child development. So working with kids, I knew at that time, I knew I wanted to work with kids, but it was more of a thing where I was thinking I wanted to go back home to Compton and work with at-risk kids. That's what I really wanted to do. Uh, but that experience was just a, a monumental experience. And uh, and I knew that coach seen something in me because you got to remember, I played as a true freshman. If you look at the games, I'm the one, we had upperclassmen, like, you take the play in. Like, I'm taking the plays in as a true freshman. Like, that's when it, we, you didn't see signals yeah. coming from the sidelines. There, with coach there, there was. There was. You see communication <laughs> from coach right. to player, player running into the quarterback, give the play and we run the play. And so I was doing it as a true freshman, uh, just remembering all the plays, remembering defensive coverages early, on the board, hundreds and 99s on my tests. Uh, so, so you're talking about some of the extra stuff that sometimes talent overtakes the book, right? That's Where that's you're correct. thinking, I'd, I mean, I had Brandon Kenny on here not too long ago, amazing athlete but he was willing to realize that his sacrifice was not doing the extra. Yeah. Well, it is a sacrifice, it, right? It, if it, you want to be great. I'll tell you something. Funny story. Cluster. You no, know, he always used to have me talk to his kids before they would go to college. Cause he was like, man, you just came in different than us and ready. Right. So I'm, I'm, 
in the playbook. I'm studying the plays. I'm learning what's going on. I'm understanding the culture. I just took to it because I've never not known not being on the field, not playing, not being a part of the team, right? And so that was my mindset. You know, everybody was thinking, well, I'm only – I was 152 pounds. Yeah, you were you – were, 5'10", 152. <laughs> That's why I like scale. it. I like the, uh, I like the underdog. I, I like that you you came in with that grit on you. Yeah. I, I love that. So that's that. what I was on the scale. First scrimmage, we run a 32 read option, wingback motion. I go in motion and knock the crap out of one of the linebackers. And everybody was just like, whoa. Like this dude is this dude is crazy, right? Yeah. At 152. Uh, and so that kind of woke him up. And you know, Coach Osborne started talking to me a little more, developing that relationship. And uh that's when I started understanding that, you know, he believed in me and I had a chance to be on the field early. And so uh, and I took it and ran with it, but I was in that book. That book is important, man. That that you want to play and you have the skill plus there was nowhere I went on a recruiting trip and the athletes I looked at and I didn't think I belonged on the field. Right. Uh, and so when they told me how many wingbacks they play, how many receivers they take to travel, I knew I was playing. I, I you, knew, you, I, I you knew, knew the goal was attainable Yeah, with the doing the right things and you've seen that the results can happen by doing the right things. Where did all that stuff feed to you from? Where did that all start? Because did it start when you were a young age? Is it something mom instilled in you? Well, where did all that, that, because it's got to be a want to. It's not yeah. something where the coaches is sitting there going, come on, Abdul, I'm going to need you to read this up. I'm going to need you. Where did all that instill? Was it high school coaches? Was it uh, youth coaches? Was it just just family? Where where did that mom, start? Of course, mom's attitude. And because she thinks she's the toughest woman in the world. As my mom uh, grew up in the Niggerson Gardens, which is one of the most craziest places in the world still. To this day, a lot of those films you see, um, you know, South Central and Boys in the Hood. You know, you see little clips of Niggerson Gardens because it's just a rough area. So my mom grew up in that area. And so, of course, like I said, she thinks she's the toughest woman in the world. So we kind of get that toughness from mom. Uh, but it was a coach, Coach Wilson, uh, who just took a liking to me. And he was the first one to just start really just letting me know, like, man, you different. Like, you different than because he coached me in basketball, football. And I was always just that different dude on the field. And so I, I knew then growing up because it just continued all the way through high school. And so I knew then that, you know, I, I can play because it, was, it wasn't only football, but it was baseball too. Like I am still mad I didn't continue to play baseball because I, I was I was that guy. See, that's what that's what Strickland was telling me. He was like, I you know, I could have played football over basketball. Yeah. But he looked at the contract part. He's like. For football, it's, it's not forever. You you don't know. But basketball, I mean, the dude went and played many years at the next Guaranteed level. Guaranteed money. And so when you're looking at that going into college, you know that you could play baseball. 
You know that you can play football. You choose football. You choose the Huskers. They choose you. You get through all the greatness with the team. What's the thing that you felt you got you left to be a better teammate amongst your peers? I was one of the best teammates, without a doubt. Guarantee. I still, I might be one of the only non-pipeline members that got all pipeline numbers can call any one of them right now. Uh, I just, I was a teammate kind of guy. You know, I always got along with teammates, always had teammates' backs. Uh, that's just, and it probably was how I grew up, you know, in Compton. Just that culture that, man, you got to be close to the people you with because it's dangerous. And that might trust be. trust factor, right? Trust, that's correct. Yes. It might be because of that reason, but but yes, definitely a great teammate, man. Uh, still talk to most of the guys, man. I just talked to Ed Stewart, who's assistant AD down there at USC uh, right now. Just talked to him the other day. Just every day, and I'll just call a guy, man, see how they doing. That's just me. It, it, it it's it's so humbling to know that you could be a part of one of the baddest teams in the whole country but it still relates back to a team. No matter how hard one individual might have been or who was who was what, it all relates back to that. At, at, at that time, what what was the team consist of? Because right now we're down to 54 on, like, the travel squad. That was it. Fifth, still 54. That was, that was it. That was, yeah, that, that was it. Uh, yeah, you made that. You, and it was basically the ones and twos and then, you know, some special teams guys – that's that's pretty much the travel squad, right? Yeah. Uh, and and think about this: when you're good, and you're one and two deep, can go either way depending on practices. Uh, that's a pretty good team, right? You run into like buzzsaws of teams, like the way we just used to. Man, I just look back on Rashawn called me the other day uh, about three weeks ago. And was like, hey, man. You got to watch this game, man. You got to watch yourself. You got to watch the team, man. I did not know y'all was beating up on people like this. It was the Colorado 94 game, right? <laughs> One against two. And he watching like, man, I did not know y'all was whipping on people like this. It's like, you got to go back and watch that game. And so I did. And you know, but then when you see it again, it's like, my goodness, we was vicious. And when you think of all the atmospheres you played in, college, high school, and you think about, obviously, the Sea of Red is one of the favorite in the whole United States. If you haven't been, then it's I the guess best. you won't know, right? The but there's got to be something outside of there that what would be your closest comparable stadium and atmosphere that you played in? And I'm not <laughs> even saying it's close, but I, I, what would be, your, what would be <laughs> your top place that you remember back in the day? that gave you the chills or gave you the fact that you knew you were playing big-time football? Did it, it take all, it all was, the way was, to the Orange Bowl? It was all, yes. It was the Orange Bowl. We, we, you know, we played in front of some really fans, the Colorado fans, K-State fans. Uh, but the Orange Bowl, yeah, the Orange Bowl was that, that spotlight because those were the games. You know, that Fiesta Bowl was big-time, too. 95 when I coached yeah. that, that stadium was rocking. Um, and but that's it was a, a whole neutral, different atmosphere. But it was a neutral. Yeah, that's yes. what I'm saying. 
uh, but it was rocking though. But uh, but yeah, of course the you know playing the Florida States, the Miamis, in uh, in you know Florida was always rocking for those teams, and so and that's what made that that first championship so monumental that you know we did it there, and then you look back and say, damn, they had Ray Lewis and Warren Sapp. The Rock, the names you like, say, man, man it's it, like, it, man, dude, we, like, man, we in the moment, it, 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 it's not as big. It's not big to people that didn't see, but I tell people all the time when you sit back when and watch we it. We got prepared. We were getting prepared, and back then you studied other teams on VHS tapes, right? Yeah, that rewind, yeah. rewind, yeah. Don't rewind it too yeah. much because it might mess up the yeah. tape. But as you put that tape in that Miami defense, and you see 52 flying, I mean, knocking the crap out of people. Like, we knew that Ray Lewis was Ray Lewis then. Like, and people still, because of what Warren Sapp did in the first half, people forget, I think Ray Lewis had like 16 tackles that game. I, I'm going to be honest. Ray Lewis back then, for me, didn't stick out. The Warren Sapp did. But it's because Ray right. Lewis was quiet in, in, in college. To me, it was. That's what, And I could be wrong. But to me, he was quiet there, did his work on the field, and then that's what got him in the NFL to do what he does, where he is able to be yeah. the example. Well, I think he was still young then. Yeah. Uh, but then after that, you know, get that Miami brash, that you, that you mentality. Yeah, it kind of changed after that. But, yeah, that 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 team was uh, good. But th- that Husker team, man, 94, 95, just a grit, man, and and but one of the stories, man, that just always touches me is I got hurt in the '93 game, two cracked ribs, last ray liver, knocked out the game, uh, go to the hospital. When I get out the hospital, the game is ending. We missed the field goal to win the game. I still tell people all the time like that. That is my Husker like moment of remember when I was a fan is that game, the yeah, Florida State crushing. game. Like that's when I remember first breaking down. Now, obviously, when you become a coach and you're coaching football, you your mentality changes. Like I, I'm a fan, but I also look at the game differently. That's right. And it, and it's just crazy because, like you said, I, I remember, I mean, Trev Alberts, I've interviewed him twice, and I remember him in his arm brace. And I like those when, things just yeah. stick hard in yeah. the mind. Yeah. Yeah. Trev just played. Uh, I mean, he was a monster out there that game, man, with, with basically a broken arm. Yeah. Man, he had a mechanical arm thing on, but on when his you arm see people and Charlie way, Ward. It's got to turn it up. That was that was the Those grit are the and grind. Turn up things that you can't explain. You can't. It's either it's you got heart. it, it's in your chest, or you don't. Yeah, it's in your chest, and also up here that you're not backing down from nobody. And so that that team and what happened when I got on the plane, I never forget. My roommate at that time, Riley Washington, you know, after he asked me how I was doing and all that, I could, man, breathing was terrible for me. I could barely breathe. Uh, but he talked about the locker room and all the players that were just boo-hoo crying like, like some of the toughest dudes you never think. And I knew then. Like when he told me that story, I knew then that that 94 season was going to be different. I just knew it because 
it hurt so many people. That game, oh, it hurt the whole locker room and people just boo hooing, right? Like young grown men crying. Yeah. Uh, like that. And I couldn't believe it, but man, it, it that's how it was. And so the work ethic, everything just went different. And so, of course, we get through the Nebraska days. We get through where you, you're the assistant. You get through the second championship. You learn all this knowledge, and you start taking it to the youth. Obviously, where you are today, 20-some years later, is this where you visioned everything going? And what brought you to Omaha? Like, I'm kind of, when you're not from here, it is weird to come here and stay here whether you find a home in Omaha, Lincoln, or, or or vice versa, just somewhere in Nebraska. But what keeps you in the Omaha area? What makes your comfort level in Omaha? You use the correct word, and that's comfort. Uh, Omaha, although it, there's some bad times and situations, but it's a whole lot better than where I grew up. It's not even close. And so, and I go back home at least twice a year with family, and so we still see this stuff, still hear this stuff. And so it was easy, you know, to to to, uh, to stay and live where, you know, my wife is from, uh, Latasha Muhammad now, and and raise kids here, lots safer. Uh, but it was just an easier transition for me than going back home uh, and dealing with that kind of stuff. Oh, my, was a lot better. And, of course, you're dealing with – you dealt with some uh, squads as far as some football outside of schools, so some of the the teams locally. What was it like going there and then now going to high school? What's some things that you feel like you were able to provide for those young men when they were not in high school and now be able to give them if they do come to your to Central and become an Eagle? What's some of the That's things? That's one that of the best things we do is the mentoring, right? And so at my job, the Boys and Girls Club, we have mentoring program to where, uh, you know, myself, Coach Mackey, who's the head coach, uh, Coach Daly, who works there also, uh, and some others, we, uh, we mentor kids year-round. Uh, and so that's the biggest thing. The stuff that we do off the field, it are the biggest things we do for these kids, right? Uh, just to traveling with them. Like we just come back from Eugene, Oregon Nationals with 10 kids, right? Uh, mentoring during that process. Well, and you're doing not just football. Yeah. You have track. Everything. You have kids that you still follow in basketball. That's correct. That you're promoting. Like seeing these kids and seeing the platforms that they have now, how does that help your situation to stay oh, in the it's, loop? It's huge because you have, you know, all these social media avenues, man, and uh, the kids have access to, uh, high school coaches have access to, to promote kids. Uh, this is one of the best times for kids that I can ever remember uh, because you, you get to put so much of your stuff out there for people to see. You know, people get to see – if you're doing drills, you can post that. You just all this stuff that coaches can watch and evaluate you. Uh, it's such a big deal, man. And just to be able to work with these kids, I get most of these kids I get from seven to eight years old. So they back come into when our you building. even remember starting yeah. your your, your yeah. learning process. Yeah. So and I get them, and we're able to mentor them and guide them and coach them and put them around some good people. 
uh, and watch them grow as not only as athletes, but as young men and young women. Man, it's one of the best feelings, man. Now, how do you help influence the social media as well? And the only reason I ask is so for my family of four, my my son's the last one. He's almost done with high school, but we waited till they were out of high school to get that social media. One, they weren't needing sports to be blasted, right? But two, because one post, one share, one like could totally ruin an athlete or a person in general. I mean, it, to me, sometimes social media is let's show what I have, but I really don't have it. I might have it, but you're going to get jealous. Like, how do you help control those to keep your kids on the positive track when it comes to social media? But one of the things we don't we don't run their social medias. Uh, they do their own thing. Uh, what they feel is right. They know because uh, we talk a lot about uh, the negative stuff, you know, posting negative stuff, especially bullying. Uh, we are very strongly against bullying. Uh, but, you know, if a kid posts something that they think they like or they think they've done a good job of it, you'll see me like it, you'll see me repost it, see some of our other coaches repost it, like it. Uh, that's one of the great things about it, man, is you you can help a kid in that avenue uh, do sports. I, I really love that about Twitter, especially seeing that, that I'm right with you. You know, one of the things, obviously, when you go from coaching football all the way down to the young kids, all the way up to high school and you just like at Omaha South, I mean, there was, there were senior nights were walking with 12 of the seniors because not everybody has those role models. Central has some of those same aspects. What does that mean to you to be a part of that part of their life where, you know, like you said, some unfortunate teens, some teens that need a little more love, yeah. you know, and, and being that guy. How, what What is that like for you? It's uh, it's huge, man, because for one, you have people that that believe in you for one. Because uh, and, and, and I, I, I talk to these parents of our kids probably more than anybody, you know, at our Boys and Girls Club because and I just thank them because. I know how precious kids are to moms and dads. I know how precious kids are to family members. And for parents to be able to just hand you their son and say, hey, you got him. I want you to coach him up or I want you to mentor him. That means a lot to me. And so I always thank parents uh, for doing that because that's big as huge. It really makes a difference, not just in the kid, but it also helps create a culture that you guys are trying to bring to Central. If you look back at the years that the Huskers have had since your guys' greatness, the 90s, and you look at where they are now and you compare it to simple things as Central, where they were great, and now what's some similarities that you see them going through? Obviously, they've been through some coaches, and what's some things that you think you're helping bring in with the fellow coaches that you're amongst to be the difference maker? I think it's the, the culture and the kids, uh, the recruiting aspect of it. Um, the there's a, there's a whole lot of things, but I think those are some of the main things, uh, you know, getting the kids, getting the right kids, right? It's the same thing Nebraska been having a problem with, same thing Central's been having a problem with. And, uh, and when you say the right kid, I, I like that you say that because I think when we were at South, 
one of the hardest things is you can have this winning culture in your heart and you can have the grit to want to win. Got but if the kids don't have it, no matter how hard you try to instill it, yeah. how do you think you overcome those parts of some of the kids that are there? Because I know at Omaha South, sometimes our year was just to finish with a positive number, kids that are coming back because the results just were what they were. Uh, well, I can tell you right off back that that's not one of our goals. Our goals is to play in Memorial Stadium where they play the state championship. And I believe we have the right kids. We're bringing in the right kids. Uh, these are kids that I've coached from seven, eight years old on up. So that's one of the great things I love about coaching high school now is that I've had all these kids in my youth program. So they know the standards. They know the expectation. Easy. Parents, though, help that part, too. Some of them, Easy. right, that connect with you because Easy. they know this is what coach wants. This is what coach expects. And you know what else they know? They know that I'm, I'm going to promote their kids in a positive way, and I'm going to do all I can to get that kid to college. Well, I could that's say. That's their goal. From the outside looking in, I saw with the junior bunnies as you were coming up before you started with Central. I saw the team starting to compete at the local level. Obviously, seven on seven comes. You guys are hitting seven on seven. When you think of the way sports is going now, AU, seven on seven, how does that stuff help each sport? And how does it sometimes hurt when you do have a special athlete? that could play multiple sports but might have to dial in on one because of the pressure of those summer times. You know, the good thing about it is that Central now, we uh, we got a coaching staffs that really get along with Chubbick at basketball, uh, Wayne now with track, Coach Maggie with football. Like, we stay communicating with these kids about what we have going on. And so kids are able to do multiple things, uh, on a single day, uh, and that's one of the best things about what we have going on because we do have some triathletes, three-sport guys and three-sport girls that we have to communicate and make sure we all on the same page to where we're not wearing these kids down. But back to, you know, the 707 and the tackle and all that stuff, listen, I love all these coaches that don't like 707. I love it because – uh, I get those kids that do like it. And those kids that do like it are some of the kids that are changing programs, right? And so uh, when we have some program changers, and a lot of them are uh, undervalued at this time by some of the rankings and all that stuff, but they'll see some guys this year. I just say use it as fuel, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, oh, yeah. you see that you're like yeah. the production from last year is not the same as this year. We're turning that page. What's the biggest thing that you think is the biggest change that's going to happen this year from Central? I think the grit, the grind, the toughness, uh, the the staff togetherness, and then the kids togetherness. Uh, we 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 started off pretty good with locker room camp in the scrimmages and working with other teams. And then the 707, you know, battle tournament, losing in the semifinals where they didn't win a game last year. And so going from 0 and 5 to 5 and 1, 
And that's just the whole team morale and mentality is a lot different. And of course, uh, you know, we got some guys that can play football. Now, Boys and Girls Club is there. You're still doing both. How easy and how hard is a schedule for Abdul Muhammad look when you're trying to be that guy and the guy who can mentor so many people? It's easy because I'm always with him. That job of mine, uh, I work with kids all day, right? And same thing on the football field, kids all day. And so it's very easy to go from that place to that place because I'm still doing the thing that I love, and that's mentoring and working with kids, right? Not so much the coaching stuff, although I love that, but the mentoring part to me is the best part of it. And when you think of your on-the-field, off-the-field connections with your players, how are you relating your academic love that you had before to help these kids understand how important it is to get that final thing? It's number one. It's number one. You can't you can't do anything or go anywhere or try to reach your goals if you have goals and aspirations to play on the next level. You've got to have the grades. And uh, if you don't have that, and then you're forced to go the junior college route. And a lot of kids go that route, but don't make it out of that route because it's the same kind of stuff. You know, you haven't had the right kind of leadership and mentorship to push yourself through because now, not like high school where you're coming from home, forced to go. Now you're in college. If you don't want to get up, you don't have to get up. Right? Don't worry. Don't That's get right. up. Right. Don't get up. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, and so it's, it's a lot easier for me uh, you know, with those kids and preaching the academic stuff because, uh, you know, we have instances both ways, right? Of course, you work with so many kids for so many years. I've been doing this since 2006. And so we have the kids that have reached the pinnacle. Um, and we have others who haven't. And so we're able to take those stories and relate them to these kids now that we have coming through. Well, and I'm glad you said that part. So if I, I, I get you out of here on this factor, you have a lot of kids that you guys have gotten to D1, D2, all these different levels. What's the easiest part to talk to the kid and parent about when it comes to that? And what's probably the hardest thing that some coaches are afraid to get down to when they talk to these parents and kids about reality? And what is real for that kid unless they do this, this, and this? One of the things that I do like with most coaches now, especially the college coaches, is that they're up front and uh, they're blunt about what they're talking about. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of smoke and mirrors, uh, a lot of stories. Everything they've said to me and kids that I work with has all been what's the reality. And I really like that about, you know, the college coaches now. Uh, and for for my kids, though, and working with them uh, and parents, some of them had them high-level expectations. So, you know, I get kids that just on a youth level that are just straight-out studs, like unstoppable kids. Then they get into high school, and they're still that same size, and kids are growing, yeah. getting bigger, and, Sometimes it's hard to tell that parent that, you know, that things change sometimes. Um, and so in, in, in certain coaches are looking for certain measurements in kids at positions, um, finding out a lot about that. 
Um, and so some kids are in, some kids I believe deserve offers that haven't got offers yet, but, you know, I'm doing my best to get them out there and they're out there, but they just haven't received the kind of attention and offers that we feel they deserve, but they're younger kids. So there's still work to do and they're working. And so, uh, and I, and I'm happy to be able to work with them. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm happy and excited about this season of football. Well, of course, I'm going to be watching from a distance. My kid goes to Papio South, but okay. I still have no problem watching some OPS team start to turn it up. If you think of everything that's changed for Nebraska, I would be very bad if I didn't ask you, what do you see they are now? And where do you see the trajectory as we keep going through these years? Because we've had some tough ones and everybody, I mean, I'm like everybody else. I was on the boat thinking Scott was the man. Things happen. He decided not to handle business. Whatever happened, happened. It's none of my business. Yeah. But now we're with Matt Rule. Where do you see this team and what do you see as the ceiling for him? Well, I could tell you what, when you look back at everything and you look back even before Osborne with Devaney of just having the best kids in the state on the team, that's one thing that hasn't happened in decades that is happening right now, that the best athletes in the state or committing and signing with Nebraska. And that's the first step. And so if you take that into account, Nebraska is definitely headed in the right direction, um, without a doubt. And everything is look positive. Uh, I know the staff, talked to Matt Rule several times and other coaches. And so they're they doing a great job of communicating with um, with co high school coaches. They in the high schools, man. They in the high it's schools. It's a different feeling, right? Oh, they in it's, the high schools. It's stuff you can't. They in the high schools. Like when you're hearing actual reports of what's going on with the current athletes and, and you're seeing like – you can't write a book about it. You can't just make it up. It's either you're going to be transparent, yeah. which is what I've felt. Yeah. Very transparent. Of course, I'm like everybody else. I'm going to sit back, watch. I'm going to cheer. I'm going to do everything I do. But the results will be happening on the field. There's nothing more that I can say or do to change anything on that aspect. Well, I greatly appreciate your time. I appreciate your story. As long as we can reach one athlete even a parent just to understand of like the stress, the worries, the, 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 how you can go all the way across half the United States. And that's where you find home. It's not yeah. easy for mom. It's not easy, but there's obviously kids yeah. leaving here. When you see kids that are your best athletes leaving the area, how does that feel now that we're trying to keep other ones in? Cause they're having success well, elsewhere too. That's a good question. And, and as a coach, and mentor is kind of a slippery slope, but the one thing I hang I hang my hat on is that I'm alumni. Uh, it's my favorite team uh, of all time, any sport. Uh, I'm a Husker through and through, win, lose, or draw. Uh, and so a lot of times it's hard for me to keep that out of it when Nebraska starts recruiting one of my kids, it, it's hard for me not to love that, right? Yes. Not to put that in the forefront. 
But we got some guys. I want to say this too before I go. I'm about to start doing like on on Twitter, posting some of our best like as far as DBs corners, uh, which is the position I coach. Uh, Me as well. I love that position. I think we have some of the best in the Midwest, and some of them have gone out and shown that in seven on seven, in their playing tackle, uh, in practice. And so I'm going to start spotlighting some of these kids from, you know, on, on our high school team, the Anthony Liggins and the DJs and the Andre Bones and some of my kids that's in college, uh, junior college, my son, Abdul Muhammad Jr., uh, Damian Payton out there in Virginia. Um, start highlighting some of them just a week of highlights, showcasing like their that. ability because these guys can flat out play some football. Well, I like that because, you know, that's what I'm all about. Anything to get these kids one more eye to see them. You never know what eye is going to make that difference, whether it's an offer and an opportunity. Once again, this was a Herd at Sports Production, Wired Access Podcast. I was joined by 94 Husker Championship wide receiver, Abdul Muhammad, who played all the way when he was a freshman for Husker. Loves him. I appreciate his time. He's going to take some some heat with going to the Central Eagles from me because I'm not a Central <laughs> fan. But I know the right guy, the right coaches are in the right situation to get these kids back on that track for Central. So see what the Eagles do this year. Once again, I'm DJ K-Dub Omar. We'll see you next time. A Heard at Sports Network production.